Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. I received a question recently from a frazzled mom of twins, toddlers, wondering how to better cope with their constant conflicts. She's physically and mentally exhausted and looking for solutions, short of locking them up in separate rooms. Now, this advice will also pertain to siblings of different ages. Uh, It actually pertains to peer conflicts as well. So, this is how Julianne describes her current situation. Hi, Janet. I really enjoy your podcast. It is a great time out for me on the days when I'm feeling overwhelmed with the challenges of parenting. Thank you for putting it together. I'm writing to ask a question about conflict between toddler twins. Mine are 22 months and really struggling to work out conflict over toys. I know this is very developmentally normal, and I have read some of your thoughts about how to be present in conflict without taking a side or solving the problem yourself. I want to do this, but it seems like the battles are nonstop and always escalate to biting, pinching, pushing, etc. Sometimes even before one sibling reaches for the toy. For example, my daughter will find something she wants to play with. Her brother immediately notices and starts running towards her for it. She immediately reaches out to pinch. He tries to bite, etc. Normal, I know. But when I step in to say, I won't let you, blank, one or both of them just falls to the floor screaming, kicking, trying to grab or bite or throw things. I sometimes hold them or remove them from the area, explaining that they need to be safe even when they're angry, and that I will help them. When he calms, I'll say something along the lines of, I see you still want that toy. Your sister is playing with it right now. It's hard to wait. I'll wait with you. But he can't get past it and just keeps trying to bite, push, etc. The cycle will repeat four, five, six times. Eventually, my daughter will lose interest and drop the coveted object, and everyone is happy until she picks up something else, and my son drops the first toy and runs after her next find, and we begin again. Am I doing this right? And do you have any tips for how parents can keep the bigger picture in mind after waiting out or working through so many rounds of fierce fighting? I feel like I'm refereeing some kind of intense toddler MMA, and it's exhausting emotionally and physically. I'm also a bit confused about how to offer my kids self-directed playtime without my hovering or intervening when the conflict is so constant. When I'm in the room, one or both of them will abandon their own projects to sit on my lap or cuddle, another source of conflict. My husband works full-time and is a full-time student, so it is hard to get one-on-one time with them during our long days together, although I try to work it around nap times or whenever one is happily working on their own. Still, it doesn't seem to be enough. I would appreciate any insight you can provide. Thanks, Julianne. Okay, so what I'm getting from this story is that these children, um, particularly the boy, they really want to be able to experience conflict with each other and be able to express those feelings of conflict. And so it is important, um, as this mother says she's trying to do, to normalize this for ourselves, especially with siblings. There is going to be conflict, conflict, conflict. And it is normal and it is healthy. 
And it is something that ideally we're going to empower our children to experience as much as possible on their own and learn from with only our minimal intervention. Now, even though this mother says that she um, is trying to not take a side or solve the problem, I feel like she's still not really comfortable with her children being unhappy, which is understandable. Why would we be comfortable with our children being unhappy? But if we get caught up in trying to keep, have them both be happy, trying to make things fair, trying to, you know, keep them from getting too upset about things, that's going to fuel these situations with just a lot more energy and a lot more intensity. So, you know, this is the conflict for us. Our needs are in conflict with our child's in these kind of situations. So their need is to share their feelings about being siblings, having a rivalry, being in conflict with each other. But for us, we need, we want a nice, peaceful house and two happy kids. So we have to let go of what we're trying to achieve in the moment to actually get what we want. You know, if you have more than one child, you've got a wonderful social learning lab that your children are going to get to uh, develop through. It's a gift. But part of that learning or a big part of that learning is allowing them to experience the conflicts. So the way that might look a little different to what Julianne is doing is coming in, you know, again, not rushing in like we got to put out a fire when we hear something going on. But let's say she wasn't in the room and she hears them starting to obviously struggle. Come into the room. She sees um, her son is running up, running towards her daughter with something. We know this one. We know this routine. This has happened before. Just be there calmly with your hand between them so that when he comes up and he or starts running up towards her toy, and then you see her reaching out to pinch, as you say, then I would stop that hand of hers. <laughs> I see you want to pinch. I see. And then looking to him, looks like you want that, what she has. And meanwhile, now he's starting to bite. Yes, yes, you're really, you're, seems like you really want this. I'm not going to let you bite. I'm going to, you know, keep you guys safe. But yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're having an issue here. You know, whatever you see, let it be. Let them both fall to the floor. So um, Julianne says, normal I know, but when I step in to say, I won't let you blank, one or both of them just falls to the floor, screaming, kicking, trying to grab or bite or throw things. So that's having a tantrum. Ah, I'm in this struggle. I'm in this. And, it, and maybe the way Julianne's handled it is, you know, as I said, fueled it so that it's become more dramatic. You know, they're both kind of, not that these feelings aren't real also, but it's this drama of being in conflict. Do either of them really care about that object right now? I doubt it. I doubt that they really care about that specific object, you know, and that's when it becomes more obvious that they, that they're showing you that they need to experience conflict and have that be okay with you. We know it because what Julianne shares later in her note, um, eventually my daughter will lose interest and drop the coveted object and everyone is happy until she picks up something else and my son drops the first toy and runs after her next find and we begin again. Well, what does that tell you? Does he really need all of these things she has? 
No. Children at this age, they just aren't really that attached to the toys. They want the idea of possession. They want the idea of, I have this, and you have that, and what does this all mean? And um, whatever you have looks really interesting to me. But it's not like they really, really care so much about the stuff. So just intervening as minimally as possible, acknowledging both of them, you know, evenly, like Julianne said, it's wonderful that she's not taking sides, you know, saying, what's the matter with you? How can you, you know, you shouldn't bite him or you shouldn't, you know, be running up and taking her stuff. What are you doing? That might be a response that made sense if this behavior made sense. But when we know that this is about them actually wanting to experience conflict, then there's no point in taking sides. So when they try to grab or bite or throw things, you know, I see you're picking that up and you're trying to throw it. I'm going to stop you. Yeah, wow, you're still feeling that too. You really, gosh, you guys really both seem to want this right now. I see. So you're acknowledging, acknowledging your intervening minimally. I mean, there's still little kids. Yeah, it can get it can get intense and there may be some hits and things that get through that get past you there. You know, as you're trying to look like, yeah, guys, I'm just I'm here stopping you, you know, keeping chill. But some things may get through. Let them get through. It's okay. You know, you're there to kind of um buffer it so it doesn't come out too too hard on the other child or you know, you can catch the second kick or whatever. But try to make it look easy. (laughs) That's the best way I know how to say it. Try to make it look easy so that they feel like you're perceiving this as normal. And then that will take sort of the edge off of all this. You know, they're still going to have the conflicts, but it's going to take the edge off. Then Julianne says, when he calms, I say something along the lines of, I see you still want that toy. Your sister is playing with it right now. It's hard to wait. I'll wait with you. Okay, I have a feeling that right there, I could be wrong, but I'm, I have the sense that Julianne is really seeing this as more about wanting to talk about that toy and that he still wants that. I, I don't even know if he wants it anymore at that point. I think after he's had the conflict and the screams and the drama with her, I don't even know if he's thinking about that right then. So I wouldn't bring him back to it. I wouldn't assume that he still wants that toy. I think you're actually, by doing that, you're like kind of feeding into them holding on to these things and it really being about these toys and these things that they need. I think you're actually maybe a little bit without meaning to, of course, contributing to that rivalry over the stuff. Because kids generally let things go pretty fast. But you could wait and you could see. Now, if he's coming up to try to get it again, after he's calmed down, that's when I would say, looks like you still want that. I, I wouldn't tell them they can't and ask them to wait and I'll wait with you. Um, I think that's just making this into a whole story about the toy that's not really what the child is experiencing or is interested in. I think that's more of an adult perception that now we're going to wait and make sure this is fair and you get your turn and I'll wait for you to keep you <laughs> occupied while you get your turn. I would let that go and not say those things and not try to give them a method for it because I don't think the method fits their reasons for getting in these squabbles. (laughs) I would only say what you see in that moment and what you know for sure is going on in that moment. 
So what she says is, I see you still want that toy. Your sister's playing with it right now. It's hard to wait. I'll wait with you. But he can't get past it. And he just keeps trying to bite, push, etc. Yeah, so I think you kind of fed the uh, issue back to him again. And now he's grabbing onto it again. Rather than just waiting, if he did go back at her and start biting and pushing again, I would be right there, ready. You know, you're there. Now that really makes you want to push. You're still, you know, you're still... Pushing at her, you're biting her. It seems that you want that. Huh. Still not solving it for them, but getting really comfortable with the blusteriness of these two together. So then there's another aspect to this that Julianne mentions. Um, okay, first, I just want to go with what she's saying here. Am I doing this right? And do you have t- any tips for how parents can keep the bigger picture in mind after waiting out or working through so many rounds of fierce fighting? Yeah, I wouldn't make it your job to wait out or work through these rounds. I would make it your job only to accept them and keep the kids as physically safe as you can. Accept and acknowledge their feelings. So that is a much more passive, less responsible role than you're giving yourself here, um, which is, I've got to wait it out. You know, I almost can't breathe again as a mother until they're done. You're really still putting yourself in this. You know, this is your, you're making this your responsibility. You've got a job here. You know, all of that is actually bringing energy to the healthy, normal conflicts that kids have. You know, this brings our mother in here. She gets involved. She's waiting it out. She's working us through it. Just let it be while you keep them safe. Let the feelings be. Let the struggle be. Let the conflict get huge between them. This is their stuff. It's not yours. It's not your responsibility. So yes, if you are doing the things that you're trying to do, waiting it out or working through it, you are going to be exhausted. You are just not going to make it through these days very easily. And while you're doing that, when you're working so hard, you're working so hard, but yet you're actually making this worse without meaning to. So a lot of good reasons to let it go, let the feelings be. They're learning how to express their feelings and that feelings are healthy and safe for them. And they have a model, their parents, who are understanding, empathic, keeping them safe. That's the bigger picture. The bigger picture is learning. This is a learning lab (laughs) between two children. It's a gift to have more than one child for that reason. And especially twins, because they are the same state of development generally, and they can really practice peer learning through each other, social learning. How do you play with somebody? How do you argue with somebody safely? How do you, you know, come to resolution? So she says, I feel like I'm refereeing some kind of intense toddler MMA, and it's exhausting emotionally and physically. Yeah, so take yourself out of this battle. You're not the referee, you're the coach. So you might give them both tips or you will interpret a little for them. You know, it seems like he's saying that, huh? Not like he's saying he wants that with that kind of (laughs) tone of, and why aren't you giving it to him? Um, The children do, they pick up the judgment in that. You know, they're very sensitive, they're very aware. But really like, oh, wow, it seems like you really want that and you still want it. Huh, interesting. Not that you would say interesting, but think Think curious, think, you know, matter of fact, this is just what is. 
And then if they look to you for something, yeah, I saw that. You didn't like that, that he did that. Or if he looks at you, yeah, now you want something else that she has. That's really hard. I see you're really trying to get it. I'm still not going to let you hurt her. But yeah, you really want that. Maybe there's another way you can ask her. I don't know. So that kind of open-ended coaching, just putting it out there and not judging either one. I mean, the referee makes judgment calls. Your only job is to keep them safe and to help them explore this with each other. You know, try to facilitate that. I'm also a bit confused about how to offer my kids self-directed playtime without my hovering or intervening when the conflict is so constant. Right, well, the way that I'm suggesting to be there does not feel like hovering to the child because it's more like, I'm just your, you know, your, your buddy guard here for both of you. I mean, hovering is like anxious, tense, you know, that, oh gosh, guys, I don't really trust you. What I'm suggesting is more like, you know, I trust you two to figure these things out. I'm just here when something <laughs> gets over the line of safety here, I'm going to help you stop. Stop with those impulses. Not stop because I have to teach you that you're doing something wrong that you don't know is wrong. I think they do know it's wrong, but they have the impulse to do it. <sighs> they just want to lash out, you know. Oh, get away from me. I don't want you touching my stuff. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just these kind of like out of bounds impulses. So you're there to help them with those, but you're not hovering. You're hanging. You're hanging out and you're just putting your hand in and stopping some things when you need to. And then don't be with them all the time. Be out of the room and you'll hear stuff. You'll hear, don't go running in. Try to stay in slower motion, not come in all panicked and hovery and worried. You know, there's only so much damage they could do to each other as long as the weapons are put away, which I recommend. Um, and a totally safe play space, that's gonna help with independent play. And a lot of trust when there's two kids. You know, there is gonna be some hitting, there is gonna be some biting, there are gonna be some, a little bit of getting hurt. Not big issues, but little ones. It's, there's going to be some of that. And the more you can embrace the big picture, and see how important it is for you to be calm and, and not hovery and just there to help when needed and facilitate, then actually the less of this constant conflict you're gonna see. So then Julianne says, when I'm in the room, one or both of them will abandon their own projects to sit on my lap or cuddle. Another source of conflict. Okay, this is really important. <laughs> so when you're in the room, if one of them comes over to you and wants to sit on your lap, let them sit on your lap. As long as they're sitting on your lap calmly, not climbing all over you or being all, you know, fussy on you. The other one comes running over. Now they want to be on your lap. Instead of, I think what a lot of us want to do is say, okay, I'll make this fair. You move over and now you're going to sit here. No, let that child who came there be the one to sit with you right then. And say to the other child very confidently, yeah, you want to sit here too. And, and she's sitting here right now. And then that child has a big meltdown about that. That's safe and okay and healthy for them to have. Yeah, just nodding your head. You don't like that. You know, you wanted to be here next to her. You wanted to both be on my lap at once. And I don't think you even have to say you'll get a turn another time because they, the child knows that. It really has to be okay with you. You have to be comfortable in this role of not trying to keep them both happy. Because keep them keeping them both happy doesn't make anybody happy. <laughs> 
Even trying to keep one child happy doesn't really end up making them happy because that becomes all about us avoiding them being unhappy. And for young kids, like they need to be unhappy a lot of the day for them to be able to be happy. That's the strange thing. But it makes sense. I mean, they have these very up and down days and it's healthy for them at that age. It's a, it's a very intense time of emotion and internal conflict. There's a lot for them to get out of their system. So the, the more that they can freak out about somebody being in your lap, the more calm they're going to be, you know, as long as you're accepting it and not getting wound up by it. As long as you're saying, yeah, that really upset you a lot. Really understanding but not feeling like it's your issue and your responsibility to make that child feel better. Connecting with them in that honest way and accepting their feelings will actually be what makes them feel better and comforts both of them and helps them let go of this need for constant conflict. So then she says, my husband works full-time and is a full-time student, so it's hard to get one-on-one time with them during our long days together, although I try to work it in around nap times or whenever one is happily working on their own. Still, it doesn't seem to be enough. Okay, so here again is a clue to why this has gotten so difficult. First of all, one-on-one time with more than one child, we've got to take our moments. Even with one child, if you're a working parent, you got to take your moment. So it's not going to always look like I'm sitting here with you while you play or we're playing together or, you know, we're having a play moment together. Sometimes the only moments you're going to have with that child is going to be when I'm helping this child get dressed, when I'm changing this child's diaper, when I have one child on my lap and I'm telling the other child, I'm not going to have you on my lap right now. That's one-on-one time. And, you know, the fact that Julianne says she she wants to work it in around nap times or whenever one is happily working on their own, you're saying something that we all feel. We only want to do this when the other one's happy. We don't want to do this when the other one's not happy. But that's what you've got to do with siblings for it to work for everyone. You've got to normalize for those both those children that sometimes you're not going to be happy because I'm going to be paying attention to this other child. It's okay. I'm okay with you not being happy about it. I'm happy to hear it. I'm going to accept it. I may not always be able to sit with you while you're feeling it because I'm doing something here, but this is normal. It's okay. And then what that child finds out through that is, hey, when I'm having one-on-one time with my mother or father, they prioritized this. I'm going to get that too. So both children get that message, even the one that's unhappy in that moment. They're also feeling it's important. It's important to my parents that they have one-on-one time with me. You know, even if it's just once during that day, they're prioritizing it. They're not trying to just only when it works for everybody, you know, that's going to wear you out. <laughs> There's just no way we can, we can do that. And it's, it's not helpful for the children in life, you know, to feel like that going to these places of disappointment and frustration and unhappiness is not safe. We're the ones that give them that message. You know, it's safe for you to be there. I see you're not thrilled, but it's really safe for you to be there. And not that we're going to say those words, but our attitude is going to tell them that. So use your moments. You know, you're giving somebody a Band-Aid and the other child runs up and wants to do something with you right then. Yeah, I see you want to do something with me. I'm focused right here giving this boy a Band-Aid. And that's what I'm doing right now. And then don't have your phone next to you, distracting you. Really, when you have those kind of moments, you've got to seize them and put away the distractions. 
and really be there, including the distraction of the other child's feelings. Um, And I don't mean put them away, but I mean, accept them. And what will happen is that it does become normalized for them. And you'll have less of somebody flipping out while you're taking care of somebody else. You know, right now it's become something that they know you're uncomfortable with. So they have to keep doing it. But really, I think if their hearts could speak right now, they would want it to be okay with you that they're uncomfortable. Because that means they can go through the normal feelings of a day. Okay, so I hope that helps. And um, everybody that's listening, if you find this helpful, please check out some of my other podcasts. And again, both of my books are available on audio at audible.com and in paperback at Amazon and ebook at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and apple.com. Thanks so much for listening. We can do this.